Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. Good to be in the house of the Lord today, and good to see each and every one of you here today. So often I take for granted the blessings that we have each and every Sunday to be gathered together to worship and serve our Lord. This morning, for a little while, if the Lord would bless us, I'd like to look at a Old Testament patriarch. I'd like to look a little bit at the life of Jacob. But as we're looking at this Old Testament patriarch, I want us to begin in the New Testament because Jacob is mentioned many times in the New Testament. Now, many of the time, in fact, most of the time that Jacob is mentioned in the New Testament is talking about his family. It'll say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Many times it's in that light. We see over in Acts chapter 7 where Stephen in his wonderful sermon, uh, and I kind of hesitate calling it a wonderful sermon because as soon as he got through preaching it, they stoned him to death. Uh, so, uh, but he mentioned Jacob, and the reason that Jacob had went down into Egypt land is he was describing very briefly there the history of Israel. But there's two places in the New Testament outside of history and family that it mentions Jacob. And we're probably very familiar with one of them. Romans chapter 9. I want to begin reading in verse 11. He says, For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now I wanted to begin in verse 11 because it's a very good description and reminder about this great, wonderful doctrine of election that we talk about. And I believe that Paul, as he's writing here, is very clear and deliberate. In fact, I know he was deliberate because he was being inspired by God himself to write this. But he was being very specific when he made that statement, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil. He's making it very plain and clear to us that God's election of us, his choice to love Jacob, is very specific in the fact that it has nothing to do with Jacob's works. Anything that Jacob ever did, said, or thought, there's none of that that had anything to do with God deciding to love him and choosing him to be his child. Nothing at all. But let's just play like for a minute. <laughs> all right? Let's play like for a little while that there was some reason. I, I remember years ago when I first started uh, reading the Bible and studying the Bible and trying to understand its teachings, uh, I read some people and that tried to say that, well, reason God chose certain people to to uh, be his children, he knew who would accept him. 
And those are the ones he chose. Um, Lest you be deceived and get mistaken about what I'm saying, uh, that's garbage. Is that plain? That's not why God chose his people. Nothing that we did, nothing that we would ever do in our life would merit God's love toward us. Now let's go back and look at the life of Jacob. I want to go back and begin in Genesis chapter 25. And I want us to remember as we go through this, not only do we want to point out some things about the life of, of Jacob here, but we also want to try to find reasons of things that he might have done that would cause God to love him. Now, we understand where it says that he loved Jacob and that he hated Esau. But as I go back and I study the life of Esau and the life of Jacob, I find a whole bunch of reasons that God should hate both of them. I can't find very many reasons that God should love Jacob. But maybe I'm missing something. So y'all help me as we look through here. We're looking for the reasons that God loved Jacob. So we go to uh, Genesis chapter 25. We go down to verse 24. And it says, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled. This is talking about Rebekah, the wife of Isaac. And it's talking about here the birth. Of Esau in verse 25 said that the first came out red uh, all over like a hairy garment they called his name Esau and then it says that Jacob the second said that had, after that came his brother out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel and his name was called Jacob now Jacob means supplanter that's what that term means so here in the very beginning, even as, as a newborn infant, he was already trying to supplant and take over Esau's position as the firstborn. Now, just a few verses later, we skip all over a lot of their childhood, and just a few verses later, we get down to the point in verse 29, and here Esau has been out hunting. Now, the scriptures tell us here in this chapter that Esau was a man's man. His daddy, uh, Isaac, loved him. I mean, he was a hunter. He was a man. He was an outdoorsman. I mean, uh, he was just the all-American guy. Uh, if they would have had football back then, he had probably been captain of the football team. I mean, he was the it, you know, the all-American guy. This was Esau. Daddy loved Esau. But Jacob was a mama's boy. I'm nothing wrong with being a mama's boy. Uh, you know, I used to be a mama's boy all the time, and I still don't see anything wrong with it. You know, I love my mom. I spent a lot of time with my mama. But he wasn't the manly type of person that Esau was. So, so Isaac took a big liking to Esau. Well, Esau was out hunting one day. And he came back toward home, and he was about to die. He was hungry. He was thirsty. And he needed food. Just so happens that Jacob was there cooking. Apparently, Mom had taught him to cook. There he was. He had some pottage cooked. 
So what did Jacob do? Did he do the brotherly thing that he should have done? I mean, what he should have done was he should have went up to Esau and said, Here, take this water, take this food. Thank the Lord I was here to help you out. You just about was all, all in. You was about, about ready to die. That's what he should have done. You know what Jacob did? He said, I'm not going to give you this food unless you give me your birthright. You must sell me your birthright. Now, the birthright in that time was that the oldest son received twice as much as the next or, or all the others of the family. Being two in that family, that meant that, that Esau was supposed to get two-thirds and Jacob was supposed to get one-third. So what Jacob made Esau his brother promise was that Jacob would excuse me that Esau would give him the birthright so that when Isaac the father died that he would get two-thirds and, and Esau would only get one-third. Wonderful brother so far, isn't it? Uh, any reason yet that God should have elected Jacob? Why should God love Jacob? I mean, it wasn't because he was a wonderful brother, was it? So let's see if we can find something else why that, that Jacob, maybe it was because that he was such a wonderful son. So let's go see if that's what the case was. Was he a wonderful son? So we skip down and over to uh, chapter 27 of Genesis. And we get to chapter 27 of, of, of Genesis. It tells that Isaac was old. He couldn't see. He was blind. And he called the son that he loved. He called Esau in. And he said, go out hunting. I want you to go out and, and uh, take some venison. Go shoot a deer. You fix it like that. I know you like to like it. You know, roast venison, however it was, a savory way that Esau made venison. Isaac loved it. And he wanted Esau to go out and do that. And he said, you go out and do that and you come back. And when you come back and, and I've eaten, I'm going to give you a blessing. So Esau heads for the field, takes his bow and arrows, and he goes out. Well, Rebekah had heard this conversation. So she had Jacob go out and get a lamb out of the flock. She fixes it just like that she knows that, that uh, Isaac wanted it would be uh, covered up with barbecue sauce or something else to make it taste just like that venison. And she took the fleece, the wool, the skin off of that, that lamb and put it on Jacob's arms and, and his hands and around all that and his neck because if you remember when Esau was born, he was hairy all over. Jacob wasn't, but Esau was. She knew what was getting ready to happen. So she gave uh, the meat to Jacob. Jacob went in to... Uh, to, to his father Isaac. All right, well, let's watch here. Let's see how good a son he is. A son always is very honest with their parents, right? Uh, let's see if how honest Jacob is in this situation here. So here's Jacob. He goes in. He tells, he, uh, tells Isaac, 
here I am. Now I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit in the sake of time. He says, Father, it's me, Esau. I've got this venison, and Esau, he's surprised. How did you get it so quick? You know what Jacob responded? I think this is uh, verse uh, 19. Oh, verse 20. And Jacob said, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. That's how I got it so quick. Now, I want you to notice one thing about that. Now, ignore the fact for a moment that it's a lie. Okay? <laughs> I mean, all of it's a lie. But notice his reference to God. He did not say that the Lord my God brought it to me. He said, the Lord, thy God. He said, Isaac, the God that you're serving brought it to me. Now, it's kind of a little wishy-washy technical point, but I think it's gonna, we're going to see a little bit of a difference here because Jacob was not a full-fledged follower in great fellowship with God. Uh, it's obvious by his <laughs> uh, lying, isn't it? All right, now, so Isaac says, the voice of Jacob, he says, come near. He felt the neck of Jacob. He felt the arms, the hands of Jacob, and they felt hairy all over, just like Esau. Why? Because Rebekah had put that lamb skin on him. So here Jacob, as such the wonderful son that he was, lied and deceived his father. Found any reason yet to love Jacob? Found any good thing yet about Jacob? We're still looking, aren't we? All right, now, Jacob gets the blessing. After the meal, Isaac blesses him. Gives him dominion over his brother. Gives all these blessings because he thought it was Esau. Jacob leaves. Here comes Esau. Isaac and Esau figure out what happened. And Esau, being who Esau was, when he figured out what happened, you know what he said? I'm going to kill him. Just plain and simple. As soon as Daddy's funeral is over. You know, after he dies, he's gone. We've, we've, we've all, after he's, he's gone, he's dead. I'm going to kill Jacob. So Rebecca sends Jacob away. And she sends Jacob to her family. So as Jacob goes back in that way, he's, he's on the way. They come, he comes to a place. And when he comes to this uh, particular place, if I can uh, find it here, it's in Genesis chapter 28. And he comes uh, toward here and he came to a place. Verse 11 says, he lighted upon a certain place, tarried there all night, and he took the stones of that place, put them for his pillows, and lay down in that place to sleep. And then he dreamed. And this is a very interesting dream. 
Because in this dream, he saw this ladder that was set up on earth, and it reached to heaven. Behold, the angels of God were descending and ascending upon it. Wouldn't that have been amazing to see, to see that? You think, man, I would like to have a dream like that. Wouldn't you like to have a dream like that? No, you wouldn't. You know why? Because, uh, verse 17, <laughs> look what uh, Jacob's response was. He said, he was afraid. How dreadful is this place. In the midst of that dream, God told Jacob something. Now, this is the first time we have recorded that God had made an appearance to Jacob. Now, before we had seen where Jacob was referring to God as thy God, as Isaac's God, but now God is coming to Jacob. And you remember that, that uh, story, the analysis that we, we read time and time again in the Scriptures, dozens of times, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all had the promise of having this great family inheriting the promised land. Well, here it is when it comes to Jacob. And the Lord stood above it, stood above that ladder. This is verse 13. He says, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And he goes on and talks about the blessings. So now Jacob, in his first recorded for us, the first time that God comes to him, he now has this promise. But now he's really aware of something else. And I think this is what really made Jacob fearful. He was aware of the presence of God. You say, well, why should that make anybody fearful? You know what? If the Lord is present with us right now, and I hope and pray that he is, uh, I'm, uh, I'm thankful and I'm happy and rejoicing. But you know, when I'm sitting at home and I'm uh, conjuring things up in my mind and I'm getting... And I'm thinking about Brother Don and all the things he said about me, and I want to whop him upside the head with the two before. That's when I'm fearful because the Lord is there. You know the times that we're thinking these evil thoughts? Perhaps we're saying something we ought not to be saying or we're doing something we shouldn't be doing or we're not doing something we ought to be doing. That's when the presence of the Lord is fearful, isn't it? When we understand that God knows our every thought, our every word, and every action. And now Jacob understands that. He sees it in his life. So now he's received the promise from God. You and your family are going to inherit all this land. Why in the world... Did God promise that to Jacob? Because he loved Jacob. Why in the world did God love Jacob? 
I don't know. I haven't found it yet. Have you? Now, the reason I want to bring this up is we're going to continue very briefly looking at Jacob's life. We're not going to find anything in Jacob's life to merit God's love. I look in my life. I can't find anything in my life to merit God's love. What conclusion does that lead me to? It's all of grace. It's all of God. Whatever blessings we have from God is totally because of his love for us. His, his uh, love that is uh, without measure, without understanding in our comprehension. All right, now we go on. Jacob goes to Laban. He makes a promise to Laban to work for him for seven years to receive for a wife Laban's daughter, Rachel, that was so beautiful, so wonderful. Jacob loved her. So Jacob works those seven years. They have the wedding ceremony. Jacob wakes up the next morning, and uh (laughs) uh-oh. The deceiver, Jacob, you know, he deceived his father-in-law, uh, his, deceived his father, remember that? Now Jacob has been deceived by his father-in-law. And he received Leah for a wife instead of Rachel. He's not happy about it. And he goes to Laban and complains. And Laban says, well, that's the custom. The oldest has got to get married first. Had to give you her first. Um, Jacob wasn't real happy about that. It's kind of interesting that here's the one who deceived and stole the birthright from his brother, deceived his father for the blessing of the oldest son, now gets upset about the blessings and the, the traditions of the oldest daughter. So Jacob labors another seven years, and he receives Rachel. Some have said he, he served seven years for Leah, uh, and then he served another seven years for Rachel. No, in essence, he served 14 years for Rachel. But during those years, Laban was very blessed, and he knew it. He knew God was blessing because Jacob was there. What had Jacob done to merit God's blessings? Haven't found it yet, have we? Now, I'm going to skip over a whole awful lot of Jacob's life. Jacob leaves. In Genesis 30 and, uh, no, 31. Genesis 31, chapter 31, verse 3, the Lord comes to Jacob again. And the Lord says, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. So Jacob, he's looking for an excuse to leave Laban. This is it. He takes off. And then he gets word about his brother Esau. You remember I said that Esau was a man's man, a hunter, 
He was a good general, too. He had 400 fighting men that he was leading. And guess where they were heading? Right toward Jacob. So you know what Jacob does? Being the wonderful, godly person he was, he takes Leah and her children and puts them in the front. And then he puts uh, Rachel and her children with himself in the back. Now, what's the significance of that? When Esau and his men come, if they start firing uh, arrows and throwing spears, who's going to get killed first? Leah. You like Jacob yet? <laughs> we overjoyed about Jacob and his wonderful nature yet? All right, now, we know the rest of the story. Jacob and Esau make their peace. They go their separate way. Jacob's family uh, begins to grow. Jacob has this great love for one of his sons, Joseph. And all the rest of his kids know it. Now, for parents, all you parents here, if you were to ask, uh, one of the children ask their parents, who do you love most, me or my sister or my brother? What's the parent going to say? I love you all the same. Isn't that what we say? We love them all the same. That's not what Jacob said. <laughs> they all knew he loved Joseph the most. Now, we know how the brothers took Joseph. They uh, uh, sold him into slavery, into Egypt. That they took his robe to Jacob. Jacob heard that story about or saw the, 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 the coat of many colors with the blood on it. He said, Jacob's been killed. Jacob believed a lie. When the word came later that Jacob is, uh, excuse me, that Joseph is alive, he didn't believe it. It took some convincing. That's exactly human nature, isn't it? We'll believe a lie without even thinking about it, but when the truth comes, we hesitate to believe it. Now, let's get over to Genesis chapter 48 because I've got to hurry here. Genesis chapter 48. We're skipping all the time that Joseph was down in Egypt and all those things that happened there. Jacob is now, he's come down to, to Egypt because of the famine that's in the land. He meets, jo he meets Pharaoh. We could go into that meeting and there's still nothing else we find to like Jacob about it. And then we come down to chapter 48 and the blessings that Joseph, just before, uh, that Jacob, Jacob's going to bless all 12 of his sons. He's going to give a blessing to them. But there's one I want us to make special note of. If you look in chapter 48, and if you look in verse 17, you'll see that he's blessing the two sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh was the oldest. Ephraim was the youngest. Joseph was very upset. When they came there, Jacob blessed Ephraim the youngest. He gave him the special blessing. And, Jake, and Joseph was unhappy. And he made mention of it. 
In verse 19, when Joseph tried to get him to move his hands and change the blessing, Jacob refused. And he says, I know it, my son, I know it. Now, you say, well, what is so important about that? I want to go back to the New Testament now. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11. And you go back to Hebrews chapter 11. And hopefully you'll recognize in Hebrews chapter 11, this is a chapter about these great men of faith that do wondrous things. And here in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to find Jacob. Now, we've been looking all through the Old Testament. We haven't found anything that Jacob did yet to deserve being elected by God, to being loved by God. We haven't found that. But now we get to Hebrews chapter 11, and we find that Jacob is here included in what some people call the Hall of Fame of Faith, this, this place of mention of all these great people of great faith, and Jacob's here. So what, what is mentioned about Jacob that gets him placed here in Hebrews chapter 11? Was it when he deceived his father? You reckon that's it? You reckon when he managed and figured out a way to steal cattle and sheep from his father-in-law Laban? You reckon it was when he put Leah and her children out in front so that if Esau came uh, shooting arrows that they would be the first to fall? What is it that got Jacob into Hebrews chapter 11? Look here in verse 21. By faith Jacob. By faith Jacob, when he was a dying... Bless both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. That's it. You mean there in Genesis chapter 48, when we read about his blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh, Joseph's two sons, he was leaning there on a staff, and he blessed him, and that was it? That was what got him into Hebrews chapter 11? I mean, you read Hebrews chapter 11. I mean, it talks about Abraham, and Abraham, when he had that son when he was 100 years old, by faith, by faith, Abraham, he went and took that promised son Isaac onto the mountain to offer him for a, a, an offering there, and Abraham had the faith that he was going to kill Abraham, offer him. God was going to raise him from the dead and go back down the mountain and go home. That's a lot of faith, isn't it? Later on, it's talking about the faith of Moses, who was raised in the king's house. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. He had wealth and honor and prestige in front of him for his whole life. Moses, by faith, just said no. And he left that, and he went to lead his people out of slavery. Time and time again, we're going to see great people and Gideon and Samson and David, all of these people that are here in Hebrews chapter 11 that showed great faith and did great things, and they got put here in this hall of fame. 
But Jacob, leaning on a staff, and that gets him into Hebrews chapter 11? Why? Why can he be remembered as a great man of faith? Now, one of the things that we didn't cover when Esau was coming after Jacob with those 400 men, and Jacob was there wrestled with a man all night long. That's when, when uh, the Lord changed Jacob's name, said you'll be called Israel. But he also smote Jacob's thigh. And from that point forward, through all of his life, Jacob went. He had been physically harmed, or physically afflicted. I won't say harmed, but he'd been physically afflicted. He walked with the limp. Now, where I'm going with this, there's some people, and I've heard a, a, a minister say this, if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, there's some leapers and there's some limpers. Abraham took a great leap of faith. Moses took a great leap of faith. When David went a, up against Goliath, that was a great leap of faith. I recall reading about a pastor one time that told his congregation, he said, I've been wanting to see y'all take leaps of faith, and i finally given up on that, but I would really like to see y'all at least take some hops of faith every once in a while. Well, Jacob didn't even get to that point. Jacob didn't take a leap of faith. Jacob didn't take a hop of faith. Jacob's faith was with a limp. And here it says now in Hebrews 11, it was by faith that he made this offering while leaning on his staff. What Jacob had finally learned was he needed to lean upon a staff. He needed to learn to lean upon God. It took Jacob a long time to learn that. But it was finally when he got to that point that he could have full fellowship with God and he could bless his children and his grandchildren in the way that God would bless them and bring it to pass. Now, is this important to you and I this morning? That Jacob, oh, we all know that he didn't deserve to be loved by God. He doesn't deserve to be in heaven to where he's at today. But none of us do. It's all by the grace of God. But does this give you any encouragement when you read about Jacob here 
in Hebrews chapter 11. I look at my life. I don't have any great leaps of faith. I've never stepped out on faith like Abraham. I've never stepped out on faith like Moses. I've never faced a Goliath like David. Haven't went up against an army with 400, uh, 300 men like Gideon. None of those things have I ever taken a great leap of faith like that. But I can identify with Jacob. Can you? That we stumble along in this life trying to do our best but realizing that it's hard to serve God as we should. Feeling convicted each and every day as we walk in this life that we should be doing more for God. And then we come to the poor crippled Jacob. And here is Jacob who did so many things wrong in his life. Oh, there were some good things that he did. Not many, but I mean, occasionally he listened to the Lord. But when it came down to the end of his life, when he was dying, he was leaning on the Lord. I can identify with that. I can identify with leaning on the staff and leaning on my God. Sometimes it feels like that's all we have in this world is we're just leaning on God. We're not standing upright. We're not jumping. We're not running. We're not walking. We're just limping along. But when I come to Hebrews chapter 11, and see where, Joseph, uh, where Jacob has been put in that hall of faith as a great man of faith, as a cripple who was limping along, being blessed by God. I realize there's hope for me. I'm a limper. Not a hopper, not a jumper, not a leaper, but I'm limping along in faith. But thanks be to God. God will bless us when we're leaning on him. May God bless you.